Baby Leviathan, I got a question for you. Okay, what is it? Who wrote the Psalms? Uh, doesn't it say right there that it's David? Some people think so, but is that true? See, just like Baby Leviathan said, we get this idea from the titles, otherwise known as superscriptions, at the beginning of most chapters in Psalms. Many might be surprised to know that the superscriptions probably weren't originally there, but were actually added by later scribes. That? This has implications for the historicity, inerrancy, and meaning of the Psalms. Today we're going to look at the interesting story behind these inscriptions. In this video, I will talk about what the superscriptions are, what they could mean, what ancient peoples outside the Bible thought of them, as well as some thoughts on inspiration and historicity implications. Just a quick note about inspiration before we get started. There's a lot of great reasons to think the Bible is inspired, and there's a lot of great scholars that don't see this as an issue. But if you feel a little uneasy about any of the things we talk about here. You okay, little buddy? Make sure to wait till the end where we will talk about why this shouldn't be an issue for inspiration. Okay, so what are these superscriptions? They look like titles, but they can mean a lot of different things. Take the one most are familiar with, a Psalm of David. This could mean it was written by David, written to David, written about David, and written as if it was David writing, among many other things. In other words, the Hebrew just isn't very clear on what these superscriptions mean. Dr. Mark Smith notes, superscriptions provide five different kinds of information. Ascriptions, primarily of authorship or collections, types of psalm, musical information, personnel and titles, biographical information, and liturgical times. No psalm has all five sorts of information, and some have no superscription either because they never received one, or because they form a single poem with the preceding psalm. The putative authors vary in the superscriptions. Dr. Smith summarizes that they include to David, to Judathan, to the sons of Korah, to Asaph, the, to Solomon, to Haman the Ezraite, to Ethan the Ezraite, to Moses the man of God, and to a lonely one. As you'll notice, he translated as to David or to Jonathan, and not as of David, as some might also see, as some might be used to when they hear, you know, a song of David or a psalm of David. It's the scholarly consensus that the superscriptions were added after the actual psalms were written. Not that this means it must be true, but that there's a very long list of reasons why they're probably right. Brevard Child suggests that the superscriptions were added sometime after the Book of Chronicles was written, which is a book, probably one of the last books of the Bible written, sometime after that, and sometime before the Cave 11 Psalm Scroll was written, which contains the superscriptions. Although there's certainly debate about specific timing of when they were added. In other words, we have texts that don't have them in there, and then all of a sudden they start popping up in them, so it makes sense that that's when they would have been added. For an example of some of these texts, Dr. Smith notes that one major manuscript, the Codex Sciaticus, distinguished superscriptions from the poems that follow by using red writing for the titles of the Psalms. A few of the Dead Sea Scrolls leave a blank line between the titles and the poem proper. On another, the Greek version of the Bible sometimes attributes 13 more psalms to David 
than other texts. Many modern translations give some indication that these superscriptions weren't original. The RSV and NJPS separate the two by space, while the NAB and NRSV use a space, italics, and smaller font. So what reason do we have to think the superscriptions refer to those who authored the Psalms? He notes that 2 Maccabees 2.13 may contain the earliest attestation to the idea of Davidic authorship of the Psalms, and perhaps other works as well. After the prophets, this passage mentions the ones of David. A major halakhic work among the Dead Sea Scrolls 4QMMT likewise assumes Davidic authorship over some part of scripture, probably the writings, including the Psalms, saying, We have written to you so that you may study the book of Moses, the books of the prophets, and in David. Furthermore, the same text assumes that at least some of the Psalms were read in accordance with the superscriptions containing putatively autobiographical information about David. Think of David, who was a man of righteous deeds and who was therefore delivered from many troubles and was forgiven. The Psalms text 11QPS, discovered among the Dead Sea Scrolls, claims that David was the author of 360 psalms and 450 songs. Moreover, this scroll attributes to David the extra-canonical psalms 151, as does the Septuagint 154 and 155. The Peshitta, a Syriac version of the Old Testament, attributes 151 to 155 to David, in accordance with the post-exilic attribution of various biblical works to famous biblical personages, the idea of Davidic authorship spread to the book of Psalms as a whole, although the other authors named in the superscriptions in the Psalms were also recognized. He goes on further, Yet both Jewish and Christian tradition show an awareness that David is not the only voice of the Psalter. The formulation of the Talmud reflects a compromise formulation saying David wrote the book of Psalms, including in it the works of ten elders, namely Adam, Melchizedek, Abraham, Moses, Haman, Yerthan, Asaph, and the three sons of Korah. The number but not the names of the ten elders remain consistent in Jewish tradition. Quoting again from 4QMMT, he notes that, In one view, Psalms stands for a third major section of the Hebrew Bible, which it begins. A major legal work among the Dead Sea Scrolls, as I said, 4QMMT, line 10, assumes Davidic authorship over some part of scripture, beginning with the Psalms, saying, We have written so that you may study the book of Moses and the book of the prophets and in David. The editors of the Editio Princeps of this text, E. Kimron and J. Strugnall, take David as a reference not only to the Psalms of David, but rather to the Hagiographa. On the other view, the Psalms were considered part of the prophets. While Luke 24:44 lists the Psalms after the law and the prophets, other New Testament books that cite Psalms refer only to the law and the prophets without any indication of a third major section in the Hebrew Scriptures. That same twofold division seems to underlie the Qumran community rule. Interestingly, in one of the Dead Sea Scrolls from Isaiah 27:11, David is said to have composed through prophecy, and in Acts 2:30, he is regarded as a prophet. This seems to show to me that there was at least a tradition accepted by the writer of Acts, which saw David as a prophet. While it appears that many early writers thought David wrote parts of all the Psalms, there's a long list of reasons to think they would have been wrong in that claim. 
Dr. Smith notes, the Psalms of David, for the most part, could not have been written by David since their grammar points to a later period. Unless massive rewriting of Psalms texts were to be assumed, David ruled toward the end of what scholars have considered the period of archaic Hebrew. And since all the Psalms attributed to Davidic, with the possible exceptions of Psalm 18 and 29, are considered to belong to a later stage of Hebrew. In addition, he notes references to a temple in Psalms perhaps undermine the plausibility of their ascription of Davidic authorship unless another temple or shrine is indicated by the context. An edifice built by David's son Solomon only after his father's death, in other words, Psalms referring to the temple, could not have been written by David since it did not exist in the time. Taking recourse to suggestions of a temple other than the Jerusalem temple, in David's time is hardly a convenient harmonization. For what temple did David have? None according to any of the historical books. He also adds, Yet one wonders in particular how to make sense of the superscription of Psalm 30, which says, A Psalm of David, a song for the dedication of the house. In this instance, it is not simply a detail of the poem which undermines information in the superscription. It is information in the superscription itself which bellies the apparent claim of Davidic authorship in the superscription. We might discern here a reading of the historical narrative about David's intention to build a house. The poem perhaps was thought to have been written when he thought to build it, only, only to be precluded by a second oracle from Nathan. Yet this is an ad hoc guess, perhaps even a poor one. See, I myself would find this extremely odd to claim that the writer of the superscription thought the temple existed at the time of David. Could the writer of the superscription been flat out wrong when he thought that David actually built the house? If we're concluding that these superscriptions are wrong about other things, then that would make sense, but we don't necessarily have to come to that conclusion. Dr. Mark Smith notes similarly references to gates presume Solomonic building of city walls and gates. Yet Psalms 9:15 and 51:20 refers to city gates, and these Psalms superscriptions attribute them to David. The gates mentioned in another Davidic Psalm, Psalm 24, 7 and 9, would seem to be city gates as well. Other comments in the Psalms might seem to be problematic if the claim of Davidic authorship in the superscription is taken at face value. For example, what would Psalm 14.7's request for restoring the fortunes mean in the Davidic era? It might be argued that while David suffered setbacks in his life, Israel's fortunes were not. Finally, in the case of Psalm 18.47-51, should readers assume that David speaking in the first person refers to himself in the third person? I've now given a number of reasons to think these superscriptions are inaccurate. If we assume that the superscriptions are claiming that the names given are the authors of the text, thankfully that's not something we have to worry about since the Hebrew isn't terribly clear. I've also given a number of reasons to think the superscriptions weren't original to the text. Well, not necessarily. God can inspire later editors. Even if the names that are on the superscriptions did actually write them, but they were updated later, it's possible that the updating would have involved changing parts of the actual psalms to match with the context and reason for why the psalmist was writing. We see all throughout the Bible where there are texts include things that characters in the story wouldn't have cared about or place names that didn't exist in the time of the biblical patriarch. 
and Genesis, for example. Many Christians think Moses wrote the Torah. Did he write about his own death? Well, yeah, obviously not. Why does the text have phrases that imply that it was written much later? Dr. Heiser names a few of these along with some additional evidence of editing in the Psalms. He says, Deuteronomy 34, 1-12. Unless you believe that Moses wrote of his own death in the past tense, these verses were added to Deuteronomy, considered by conservative evangelicals to be the last of the books of Moses, the Pentateuch. So, next one, Genesis 14, 14. He says, notice the reference to Dan in this verse. Dan, of course, was one of the tribes of Israel. So what's the problem? The tribe of Dan didn't exist in the time frame of Genesis 14, the period of Abraham. Now, one could suppose that Moses, who was contemporaneous with the tribes, wrote Dan when he wrote Genesis 14 during his own lifetime. That, could, that would take care of the problem were it not that this idea is denied by the Bible itself in Judges 18.29, which tells us that Israelites living after Moses named the city Dan, I mean the verse is literally, and they named the city Dan after the name of Dan, their ancestor, who was born to Israel, but the name of the city was Laish at the first. The only coherent way to view this is that Moses wrote Laish originally in Genesis 14.14, 14, and the place name was later changed by an unnamed editor to Dan so people would know what place was being referred to. Psalm 72.20. This psalm reads, The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Really, why then do we have a number of prayers of David after Psalm 72.20? Is this an error? No, it is an editorial comment by whoever put the books of the psalms together. When he finished book two, the compiler thought they had collected them all. More were found later and put them into the larger book. A verse like this, innocuous as it seems, can be real trouble for the dictation but not dictation view of inspiration I've been objecting to. If God is the only source of the words of scripture, you'd think he knew that all the prayers of David were not at an end. Seems a small thing for God to know, doesn't it? So editing doesn't mean it's not accurate, but even if it isn't accurate, why should that be a worry? If you think the subscriptions aren't inspired, don't worry about it. If you do, let me recommend a better view of inspiration. Scripture is inspired in what it affirms. In other words, the purpose that God gave us the text. Is God teaching us who the authors are? Possibly, but would it be a surprise if he isn't? No, it's not like it has a huge impact on how we read the Bible, or even the Gospel for that matter. We also wouldn't have any reason to think other parts of the Bible aren't historical, just because this superscription might be. On this topic, I'd recommend checking out my video with Randall Rouser. Okay, I've given a summary of why scholars doubt the originality in the text, why they shouldn't point to authorship, why they were probably added way later, and how it affects our view of inerrancy. Some questions I want to hear answered in the comment section are, what does this say about inspiration? Does this have any effect on prophecy? Is this a big deal or just a cool fact? If you found value in this, make sure to subscribe and turn on notifications to make sure you don't miss out on other videos where we learn more about the Bible. Until next time, I'll see you guys.